trigger warning. This podcast may include explicit content that will take you out of your comfort zone and make you question reality. Listener's discretion is advised. Happy New Year, everyone. It is 2024 and season three of the Cosmic Peach podcast. We're changing things up this year. We got a new logo, a new theme song, new merch, new episodes, and more importantly, new series. The new monthly episode at the beginning of the month, the first being today, will no longer be the breakdown shakedown, but an ongoing exploration of ancient architecture found throughout the world. I never get tired of discussing old world architecture, and honestly, an entire podcast could be dedicated to the topic. So we will be discussing a few of those locations today and the rest of the year. Also, I think I'll be 86ing the intros before the, the show begins on the actual show part of things like where I oh welcome back to Cosmic Speech Podcast. Tonight we have on da 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 from the blah 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 podcast. I think I'm gonna 86 that and we're just gonna gradually immerse ourselves into whatever the episode or conversation is. I just want to keep the flow a little bit more organic and conversational. And sometimes those intros throw me off. I'm not even gonna lie. And frankly, sometimes I feel like I sound robotic and it's a waste of everyone's precious time. So let's get that shit and just get right into the episode. I hope you kind of like that gradual transition. And it's just kind of me learning through trial and error, I guess you would say. But um, let's just skip that shit and get right to the episode. That's what I say. And uh, next on the agenda, I want you to welcome to the show Phantom. Fridays. I'm very excited about this new project I'm working on. Phantom Fridays are ghostly tales of true paranormal experiences. They will pop up on random Fridays, like a phantom, if you will. And actually, speaking of that, got ghosts? This is a casting call. Since I am starting this new miniseries on true paranormal experiences, I want to talk to you. Or if you know anyone who has seen a ghost, a goblin, a shadow person, something creepy, spine tingling, sitting in my way. Or even if you want to remain completely anonymous, written submissions are also welcome. Write it down so I can read it on a future episode. I won't even mention first name, last name, none of that. You don't have to come on and talk to me about it. Just write it all out so I can read it. And so how can you get it to me? There are two ways to get that submission to me, whether you want to be in person or submit a written statement. Um, you can direct message me on Instagram. That's cosmic.peach.podcast on Instagram. But what I'm finding out is a lot of you don't really have Instagram, which is fine. You can now just send me an email to cosmicpeachpodcast at gmail.com. Again, that's cosmicpeachpodcast at gmail.com. Or 
If you even have any other topic you're interested in discussing, you can email me there. This should be fun and interesting, and we'll see what happens. Please try to keep it professional. Uh, You know, if, if you have a topic that you're wanting to discuss, Let's make sure we got our research put together. You know how I do. I don't want to talk about your feelings. I don't want to talk about your opinions. I want to see your articles. I want to see your documents. I want to see some evidence supporting your claims. I want to see some shit if you're going to come on. Don't talk about, well, I feel like kind of maybe there's reptilian. I don't. Let's let's not. But if you've seen a reptilian, I maybe want to talk to you about that. So, um. I hope you all continue to enjoy the show. Happy New Year, of course. Even though our calendar is a complete lie and it's totally fucked and God only knows what day, week, month, or year we're even in, happy whatever the fuck. Please click the link in the show notes to continue supporting the patreon as well now that's going to be patreon.com slash cosmic peach podcast or simply scroll down to the description of this episode and click the link there's also a patreon app where you can easily search cosmic peach podcast to make your reservation to room two three seven now there are going to be a lot of changes even on the patreon this year we're going to be putting a lot more content on patreon as well And um, you're going to be getting a 10% off code for all the new merch when you check into room 237. I actually think you're going to really love the new merch. It's, It's dope as fuck, actually. I have redesigned everything and I designed hoodies and t-shirts to represent your favorite episodes so you know what there's a laurel canyon hoodie marilyn monroe hoodie genesis 6 hoodie princess diana and a conspiracy buffet hoodie and coffee cup i mean really i got it all you got to go check it out i did recreate some newer stuff a few months ago around october or so And I just, I don't know, it wasn't really representative of the podcast to its fullest extent. So I just reimagined everything. And uh, I'm going to also include a link where you can go check it out and get yourself a Laurel Canyon hoodie, Marilyn Monroe, Genesis 6, Conspiracy Buffet that has Lizard Person, Princess Diana, everything. So you can go check that out. And um, actually, I had one of the... Patreon subscribers recommend an episode for me to cover, um, talking a little bit more about what really happened to Princess Diana. I do have the episode called The Princess Bride and the Lizards that I did with Ryan Dean. He's really good at talking about what probably happened to Princess Diana, but I feel like we kind of, even without me covering it, we kind of already know that she, um, she was sacrificed though. She's deceased though. She got the, uh, going down the tunnel and going into the other tunnel. If you know what I'm saying, she went into one tunnel and then went through the, the tunnel with the light at the end. I mean, that's just, it goes without saying really. 
I don't know if there's anything more that I could even add to the episode uh, that I covered it with Ryan Dean. He did an excellent job. Um, so could I cover it in another episode? Maybe. But it's just going to be kind of rehashing some of those same ideas, the occult symbolism, some of the stuff she was into. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I'm going to think about it, but I'm not promising anything. Now, I do want to go ahead and read a, a couple of the five stars, as I always like to do at the beginning of the month. We've got one from Lindsay B., and she actually sent this to me on Instagram, and I just thought it was so wonderful. I, I want to read it. She said, Hi, Julia. I literally made an Instagram to send you a message. I just wanted to say that I love the Cosmic Peach podcast. I've been working my way through your back catalog, and I think that you're incredible. And I just, that means the world to me that someone would even take the time to go and make an Instagram when they really didn't even want to have an Instagram just to send me that message. Thank you so much, Lindsay. Um, that's actually my middle name. So I feel like we're connected in some way. Maybe we're, we're spiritual sisters, Lindsay and Lindsay. But I just thank you so much for that. I wanted to give you a shout out because it just made my whole day when I got that message. I got another one, December 6th, from Desloom's mom. Oh, that's not somebody's kid's name. I don't want to butcher it. Desley, Desley. I'll just spell it. D-E-S-I-L-O-O-S, mom. You're doing amazing. Thank you for your content. I've learned so much, and you've really helped expand my mind. One of my top five and five stars. Thank you so, so much. That's incredible. I really appreciate it. I got another one from December the 13th from Apple Cartwheels. And it says, my new favorite podcast, five stars. Finding a female conspiracy theory podcast is like growing up with 12 brothers and then finding out you have a sister. <laughs> Cosmic Peach is both thoroughly researched and well presented, which basically means she's not condescending and I can actually understand the material. <laughs> Thank you so much for that. I appreciate it. I actually, one of the most frequent um, compliments that I get actually is from other females who say, I cannot stand listening to female podcasters and I avoid it like the plague but I actually enjoy your podcast. That is the best compliment you could give someone. I try to be just as down to earth as possible. I'm really in it just so you can learn something and nothing more. I don't have my ego involved in this too much. Um, and actually, let, let me read this other one and then I'm going to tell you something else. So it's five stars and it says Ed and Lorraine Warren episode from Anna Liz A N N A L Y Z E U Anna Lizu Julia whoever gave you a one star is a salty loser I would definitely agree with that I always give you five stars and you deserve 10 stars you're an awesome podcaster. I love your work. I listened to your JonBenet Ramsey episode and I was always disturbed by that story. Thank you for shining a light on the story. Well, that's incredible. Thank you so much for leaving that review. That means a lot to me. Um, the, the JonBenet Ramsey episode is 
you know, obviously my highest listened to episode for last year, which is why I came back with a double tap on that one for Christmas. And I hope you all enjoyed that one as well. It's a very incredibly interesting story that I feel like people have blown out of proportions in a million ways. And it the, the truth is always simpler than some grandiose like CGI and all this stuff. Like now we're borderline crossing into kind of like paranoiaville. And it's really simply just Satanists, dark occultism, and a like a total like freak accident. Like, whoopsie, we killed her. Now what do we do? And the rest kind of snowballed from there. But I was going to say, every single time you all leave me a five-star review on Spotify or Apple Podcast, and on Apple you can actually write a review so I can read it, it means the world to me. I hope to continue receiving um, more love from you all in 2024. I got the new logo. Again, I'm trying to take my ego completely out of this. Uh, I got some weird comments about, oh, you think you're a sexy conspiracy podcaster. I just really liked my outfit that day, to be honest with you. And I thought it'd make a cool logo. But if you, but, but now I'm crossing over into like, if people are taking it the wrong way, I want to back completely off of that. So the new logo is just a cartoon version of me. The, and the, the cartoon version of me is a total badass, like Kim Possible or some shit like that. And I'm fighting the forces of darkness. So, um, yeah, just new logo, new theme song, new episodes, new series, uh, new year, new me, if you will. So, I think I covered all of the business. Uh, let's just get right into the episode. Here we go. Okay, everybody, how you doing? We are going to kick off this season with the new series on ancient architecture, and I'm very excited for this. I think you all will enjoy it a lot. Today's episode is Beneath the Sacred Temples, and today we'll be looking at iconic temple sites. What compelled people to build temples on the same sites over and over again? But what am I talking about? Let's start with our first site, and then you'll kind of get a feel for where I'm going. Cusco, Peru. Nestled within a high river valley of the Andes Mountains, among peaks towering over 20,000 feet. This once great city served as the capital of the Inca Empire from the 13th to the 16th centuries A.D. In 1533, Spanish conquistadors arrived in Cusco and were astonished when they saw the incredible stonework found at a site just north of the city. And this site is called Sacsayhuaman. And this is our first stop on the tour today. Its most prominent feature is a zigzag wall of three levels. Some of the stones there weigh as much as 125 tons. And they were moved from the quarry at least three miles away. Think about that. It is an incredible megalithic ancient structure. Some of the most amazing masonry can be observed here as well. You can't even fit a fucking dollar bill in between the cracks of these rocks. They are literally placed so perfectly together. 
Sacsayhuaman served as a ceremonial center. But let's dive a little deeper. A circular structure that lies within the megalithic walls was actually the base of a huge megalithic tower where, according to history books, this is where the Inca worshipped the sun god Inti. However, the reality of the situation is that while the Inca certainly utilized this megalithic structure, they were not the ones who built it. Of course, they just kind of moved in, took over the lease, if you will, but they're not responsible for the site itself. The Spanish conquistadors who were in awe of this site, of course, asked the Inca, did you build this? And the Inca said, no, it was already here when we arrived 500 years ago. And as it turns out, Sacsayhuaman predates the Inca by thousands of years. Yes, the Inca built on top of this site. And if you look at the photos, you can definitely see where they hodgepodge some shit together to try and maintain the existing structure. But they didn't possess the tools necessary to recreate the cut and form of the existing limestone blocks further validating that the Incas did not build this site. They did not even possess a fraction of the technology it would have taken to build Sacsayhuaman. And so how is it that the much more ancient civilization predating the Incas by thousands of years could have had more advanced technology to pull this off? Well, let's take a look at the legends. The Inca speak of these celestial beings who descended from the sky a long time ago and imparted the first knowledge of building, architectural skills, and arithmetic to humans. Book of Enoch, anyone? Those are some of the seven sacred sciences I spoke of in the Nephilim series. You might want to go back and revisit that. But the Incas, of course, are not the only civilization to continually rebuild atop already existing sacred sites. It's actually very common all around the world. And... They're not rebuilding on these sites because they offer some kind of great structural foundations for new buildings. No, no, no. The reason that it is so fascinating is that the sites that were, let's say, created by the giants or the fallen ones, whatever you want to label them, these sites were sacred at the time they were erected and remain sacred for thousands of years, just with new names or new people moving in. And when I say they remain sacred for thousands of years, I'm talking about all the way into modern time. These sites are easily spotted and are some of the most revered and sacred sites on Earth. Think about that. And of all the places in the world 
that this phenomenon is found, there is none more universally revered than the 35-acre platform in Jerusalem known as Temple Mount. You may be familiar with this sacred site. Most people are. The Temple Mount is arguably the most important spiritual site in the world. All three of the primary monotheistic religions have a connection to the events of history that have occurred there. Some even believe this is the stone in which all life originated. At the Temple Mount. Beyond that, it is a crucial element in the Jewish tradition when Isaac is offered up for sacrifice by Abraham. It happens on the exposed surface of Mount Moriah. That's the Temple Mount. For Muslims, this is where the Prophet Muhammad ascended up to heaven. That stone is now covered by the Dome of the Rock, a very important Islamic monument. The Dome of the Rock has stood at Temple Mount for more than 1,300 years. But the very first temple to occupy this sacred, sacred space was the legendary Solomon's Temple. Buckle up, folks, because now we're going to get into the biscuits and gravy. Solomon's Temple, okay, was constructed upon order of the Israelite king himself in the 10th century BC. According to the Hebrew Bible, King Solomon received a message from God to build his temple on this very spot. Its primary purpose was to house the Ark of the Covenant, which, guess what? We're going to talk about the Ark of the Covenant in a little bit more detail in an upcoming episode. But so, the purpose of Solomon's temple is to house the Ark of the Covenant, which is a golden box that carries the two stone tablets inscribed with the Ten Commandments, and which was also said to be God's earthly throne. And King Solomon had communication with the heavenly archangel Michael, who comes and actually helps Solomon build this temple. So not only is there the presence of God in this building, it's God sending his heavenly angels to come build this sacred place. And for those of you who struggle with this concept, you really need to put it into perspective. You're okay, sort of believing aliens could come down and build these places. The ancient aliens thing. Or you're sort of okay with believing giants could have built these megalithic structures. And you're kind of sort of even okay with saying that fallen angels, the parents of the Nephilim, may have been responsible in aiding with the development of these structures. But a heavenly angel is too churchy for you. Or it's just like way too far out there. You just can't vibe with it. Come the fuck on. I mean, it's all one and the same thing if you really think about it. We can see that these stories, whether they be biblical or not, 
or even from a completely different religion, the stories of giants and the stories of angels and the stories of the celestial ones coming down from the sky, whatever you want to call it, they are more than just folklore or fairy tales. And we can see that based on the architecture existing all over the world. Someone had to have built it. And guess what? They were not human. We can at least agree on that, I hope. But so, Solomon's temple was destroyed by the fucking Babylonians in 586 BC. But 70 years later, Jewish exiles returning to Jerusalem built a new temple on the exact same location. And that temple survives until 70 AD until it is destroyed by the Romans, also known as the New Babylon, if you will. Then, in the 7th century, Muslims conquered Jerusalem and they built the Dome of the Rock there. So there has been a long history of different people coming in and building and rebuilding on this most sacred of sites. Why was Solomon instructed to build his temple on this very specific location? Is it ley lines? Is it this? Is it that? Is it the energy? Or is it a portal? A place where we can walk in between worlds, times, dimensions. Imagine that there are sacred sites on earth where the veil is so thin or there is a doorway and they talk about God's throne being housed at this sacred site because maybe you can actually walk through that door in these sacred sites. And that is why they're so significant, not once, but twice. And they keep rebuilding and rebuilding and rebuilding on these locations. The knowledge has been lost to us. But the ancients knew what the fuck they were doing. I would hope so. They were in contact with some higher up motherfuckers. But could this be true for all the power places found all over earth where successive people build over and over again on the same site now i want to take you to another location to kind of solidify this idea we're gonna go to Baalbek, lebanon where we see the ruins of the temple of jupiter but even that is just the latest installment of renovations this site has been through. This area in Baalbek, Lebanon has been continuously inhabited for over 10,000 years. And to this day, no one knows who built the first place of worship there in Lebanon. But according to the legends, both Egyptian and Assyrian conquerors 
were the first that erected sanctuaries on this site. Followed by who? Followed by the cannibalites. <clears throat> Excuse me. The Canaanites. Followed by the Phoenicians, who built a great temple here to worship their god, Baal, around 2500 B.C. Then Alexander the Great conquers this area, and surprise, surprise, he builds a temple to the Greek god kings. Then the Romans decide to build a temple on top of that temple for their chief god, Jupiter. And while you can see the remains of the columns dedicated to Jupiter still remaining at this site, it's the ancient megalithic foundation they are sitting on that is the real smoking gun here. The foundation is the original foundation built all those thousands and thousands of years ago by probably Nephilim giant type beings. I mean, think about it. If you want to talk energy for a second, and certain kinds of people are drawn to certain other people or places, etc., based on energy, like attracts like kind of a thing. Look at the kind of people who were drawn to build these sacred sites and to continually build these sacred sites upon these specific foundations. You could even use this metaphorically and say that if there is a foundation, even in logic or if you're trying to start a church or a cult or something like that, you have to have foundations and then other things are built on top of those foundations. Kind of like the patriarch in, in the family. They're the foundation for the family and then all the other family members come from that basis of the foundation. And so when you, when you think about the legends surrounding this site in Baalbek, Lebanon, they're saying that the Egyptians and the Assyrians had help from these celestial ginormous beings who were totally advanced in technology, arithmetic, all this stuff. And they, they brought this knowledge to them and they helped them build these sites. And then over time, the Canaanites and the Phoenicians and the Romans and the Greek and all these, they all were drawn to the foundations here to build their own temples on top. And it's the same thing with the Dome of the Rock. They just kept building and building, but it was the same type of energy that kept rebuilding here. Look at the kind of people who were drawn to these different sacred sites to continually build upon their foundations. Probably the same kind of Egyptian, cannibalite, Roman fucks building these sacred sites in the U.S., right? These Babylonian, ball-worshipping masons that are responsible for all the obelisks and the columns 
that are the stamp of Washington, D.C. Why do you think that architecture might be significant to them? Just saying. But to put it into perspective for you, a lot of people want to talk about there's no way the Egyptians built the pyramids. There is absolutely no way Egyptian human beings built the pyramids, which is true. But they had some help, and everybody agrees on that, with the advanced technology from their new gods that arrived, who brought them the seven sacred sciences that we were talking about. Well, it's these same mysterious fucks who built the foundation we can all go see and take your hand and lay your hand on the physical ruins there in Baalbek. It's the same, same lot of, of beings. The masonry that we find there is unparalleled compared to the rest of the world. In fact, there are three stone blocks called trilithons at this site in Baalbek that weigh approximately 800 metric tons, which is 1.6 million pounds. And they are placed in the middle of the stone foundation. And each of these blocks is approximately 62 feet in length and 14 feet in depth. And the fact that they are placed in the middle of the foundation, and they're not on the ground, they're in the middle of the fucker, would suggest someone would have had to raise them up to a height of about 20 feet in the air to place them in those ancient times. And they were also brought from a quarry two miles away. And they were also somehow placed so perfectly that you can't even fit a needle in between these megalithic trilithon blocks, as they're called. But, of course, history would like us to believe they were placed by hammer and chiseling motherfuckers. The logic behind saying human beings were capable of this in ancient times, but they're not capable of it now. I feel like I'm on the show, Are You Smarter Than a Fifth Grader? It's so easy for even a child to understand giant blocks weighing billions of tons together would equal giant people. I mean, just saying. And if you don't want to say it was giants, that it was aliens, which I don't believe, then we're at least talking about some technology that existed in the ancient times that we don't even have a quarter of today. You think you are technologically advanced because you have an iPhone or a MacBook or an Alexa in your kitchen or you have this or that. You have an electric car. You think that you're advanced in some way? They could move megalithic million ton blocks 
as easily as they could move a feather. Do you own something that can do that? We're talking about DNA splicing. They had technology that you won't see until 2050 in ancient times. And while we're beating this dead horse, wouldn't you like to know this site in Baalbek, Lebanon is very nearby another site we would all recognize, which is Mount Hermon, the very mount where the Watchers, the Fallen Ones, descended to Earth. This is the very same mount featured as the logo for Paramount. And it is also worth mentioning that this very site could have been what was referred to and described as the landing place in the Epic of Gilgamesh, which is an ancient Sumerian text. And it is in this text where Gilgamesh refers to it as a place where beings could ascend, but also descend from the heavens. So it's an axis mundi, a portal. Yes, yeah, a portal. And whether or not you believe that is up to you, but it had to have been significant or they wouldn't have continually built on this site. There are so many of these portals and gateways left abandoned all over the world because we don't know how to use it. If only we knew how to use them. How to activate them. What wonders would we see? What answers would we find? Just recently, aerial mapping and ground-penetrating radar has discovered acres and acres of underground terraces and mounds buried all over the world. Acres of terraces and mounds that are just buried and forgotten. Not in one specific location, but all over the world. And they're just realizing this. Like Gobekli Tepe. They didn't know it was there. It was buried. They've had to dig it out. And then they dug out another city right next to it. But one of the most recent was near Pumapunku. Acres and acres of terraces and mounds. All buried during what exactly? Maybe a catastrophic flood? food for thought. We haven't even begun to uncover all of the secrets of our past. And I believe there are more and more people every day who are awakening to the realization that our civilization is headed for this great reset, if you will, once again. And we cannot absolutely cannot understand what is coming for us until we uncover the secrets of our past. That includes not only the catastrophic worldwide flood mentioned in so many ancient texts, including the Bible, but the mud floods, these more modern buildings that have been turned into libraries and state capitol buildings with windows halfway in and out of the ground. Why 
And why can't they explain that? I am so hungry for truth, for understanding. And I feel like there are so many other people out there who are too. The problem is, and I have said it before, people be peopling and fuck shit up for the rest of us. I try not to be dogmatic or judgmental in my approach. However, I find there are so many clues that lead me back to the same conclusions time and time again. I will never pretend to know all of the answers to everything because I don't. But I do hope that with every new episode, you feel some kind of enlightenment. Not illuminated, but enlightenment. You feel me? Maybe I say something that clicks or unlocks new chapters in your own personal journey towards the truth. I don't cover politics. I'll let every other conspiracy podcaster and Alex Jones do that. It's not exactly my calling. And I think Alex Jones does a pretty decent job if I need to tune in and find out what developments have occurred in the world. But I like to provide you with something a little bit more timeless. And as I said before, there's no way to understand what's going on with this new Great Reset, whether it be a catastrophic flood or the a dam breaks or if CERN is considered a dam, maybe it's a spiritual dam that breaks. But there are religious texts all throughout time that speak of this apocalyptic moment I feel that we are on the very cusp of. And there's no way to understand why or how it's going to happen until we understand how it happened in the past. And so I will continue in this new once a month episode to dive further into our past and uncover some of these hidden secrets, ancient technology, and forgotten architecture and uh you know we're gonna uncover it together and i think this is gonna be a great new series thank you all for coming and tuning in every week for the new episode and thank you all so much for your support we're gonna continue growing together um i hope you enjoy this new continuing series and of course we're gonna dive even further into the secrets of our past in the next year with these new episodes. Let me know if you would like to be a part of the Phantom Fridays. You can send an email to cosmicpeachpodcast at gmail.com or you can send me a direct message on Instagram. And if you've had an incredible paranormal experience, I want to know about it. I want to talk to you. So just reach out to me. Let me know what you think of this new episode. Thank you all so much for listening. I'll catch you on the next one.